That's every, every saint of God, every preacher, every, every child of God that's come this way. Now, we pray that all of us would be lifted up and that Christ would be exalted in this hour. And we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Now, I want to read a few verses of Scripture tonight from the Song of Solomon. If you've got your Bible, from the Song of Solomon, and reading in chapter 2, the Song of Solomon, and in chapter 2. In all the years that I've been saved, I've never heard but two people ever preach from the Song of Solomon. I don't know about you preachers, but I've never heard but two people that preached from the Song of Solomon. But the Curtis McCauley years ago preached from this uh, book. And then I, I heard another preacher, can't remember just what it was now, but uh, he preached one message. Brother McCauley preached a week at the Greer Baptist camp meeting on the Song of Solomon. But they wouldn't let a Jewish boy read this book until he was at least 30 years old. And there's a reason for it. If you were to read the Song of Solomon with a carnal mind, with a wicked mind, it'd be nothing maybe but a soap opera uh, to you. It wouldn't be anything at all. You wouldn't get the right message. But if you read the Song of Solomon saved, and read it, my friends, with Jesus Christ in mind, it'll put you on shouting ground. That's right. The pastor myself was talking today. The Old Testament is a schoolmaster for the New. If you don't understand the New Testament, then it's because you haven't studied the Old Testament. That's right. The book of Hebrews, we find, uh, to understand it, you must understand the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. You'll never understand the book of Hebrews till you know about Leviticus in the Old Testament. You'll find that in the book of Hebrews there are key words, and the key word is better. It's better. It talks about how that they had a good sacrifice, uh, uh, but says we have a better sacrifice. Under Judaism, they had a good covenant, so we got a better covenant. They had good promises, we got better promises. Uh, they had a, a good hope, said so we got a better hope. And everything's better for the children of God in the book of Hebrews, it points this out. But to understand it, you must understand Leviticus in the Old Testament. So, to understand the song of Solomon tonight, you've got to keep the Lord Jesus Christ in mind, and in every word, every sentence, everything that's said, if you'll keep Christ in mind, it'll put you on shouting bells. Now, let's read a few verses tonight in the song of Solomon, begin reading in chapter 2, and in verse 8. The voice of my beloved. You ever heard anything like that before? I'll read it to you in just a few moments from First Thessalonians and chapter 4. It said, uh, the voice, the voice is going to come a shout. And it comes about the shout, the voice. Uh, and so it says here, the voice of my beloved. Behold, he cometh leaping upon the mountains and skipping upon the hills, just hitting the high places. Uh, my beloved is like a roll or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind their wall. He looketh forth at the window, showing himself through the lattice. Uh, my beloved speaking, said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Are you keeping Christ in mind? Do you see the rapture of the church here? He said, Rise up, my loved one, and come away. Praise God. One fellow said, Hey, said you talk about the rapture. Said that word's not in the Bible. Well, there's a lot of words not in the Bible that uh, you wouldn't get mad if I used them, would you? After all, words is just uh, vehicles to convey from my mind to your mind uh, what's on my mind or what's on your mind. Uh, the word damnage not in the Bible, but you wouldn't get mad if I preached the sermon or not on damnage, would you? Most of you'd be tickling glad if I preached on damnage. Well, the word rapture is not found in the Bible, but it's a good word. Look it up in Noel Webster's Dictionary. You know what he says? That word rapture means uh, to be transported with delight. Amen. One of these mornings with delight, thank God, we'll be transported to that land, the spare of the day, and we're going to be moved out of here. And so, here he said, My beloved, spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, 
and come away. Hello, the winter's past. Uh, the rain is over and gone. Praise God, rain. The winter tells us of the rains, the sleet, the hail, the snow, all the bad times. But he said here, hello, the winter's past. The rain's over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of the singing of the birds has come. And the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree for the fourth are green figs. Uh, and the vines of the tender grape give a good smell. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Oh, my dove, thou art in the curse of the rock. Uh, in the secret places of the stairs, uh, let me see thy countenance, let me hear thy voice, uh, for sweet is thy voice, uh, and thy countenance is comely. Take us the foxes, uh, the little foxes that spoil the vines, uh, for our vines have tender grapes. Uh, my beloved is mine, and I am his. Uh, he feedeth among the lilies until the daybreak, uh, and the shadows flee away. Turn, my beloved, and be thou like a roe or a young heart upon the mountains uh, of Beaver. Now, turn to First Thessalonians in chapter 4, and let's read some familiar verses. Uh, in verse 13, he says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, uh, that you sorrow not, even as others, uh, to count no hope. Uh, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so then also, which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we send you with the word of the Lord, that we put your life and remain under the coming of the Lord, shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord, watch it now, for the Lord, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now let me ask you a question tonight. You think a man ought to talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ? You think a man ought to preach about the rapture of the church? You think a man ought to do that? Well, this preachers, they don't believe in it. That's right. Uh, there's people in my faith who do not believe in the literal physical return of Jesus Christ to this earth. Uh, there's some that's called post-millennialist and amillennialist. Uh, one fellow said, what is an amillennialist? Uh, I said, that's one of them dudes will be standing here when Jesus comes and he'll say, ah, amen. Listen, honey, I'm such a premillennialist. Uh, I'm not taking the uh, post magazine, eating post toasties. Uh, they're going to the post office. Amen. I believe in the literal physical return of God's Son to this earth uh, to this earth again. Yes, sir. Now, should we talk about it? In Knoxville, Tennessee, a woman came up to me and she said, listen, you tell all those old Harry's and stories uh, about Jesus Christ coming back. She said, my kids can't sleep good at night. And uh, said, uh, uh, they wake up in the night screaming and all such as that. But wait a minute, friend. It didn't disturb them when they watched television and they saw hobgoblins and boogers and spooks and baboons and everything else. Uh, invading this earth, fictitious characters uh, invading this earth from outer space. Uh, that didn't get them upset. But when an old-fashioned preacher come through, a preacher that gun down straight, uh, telling about Jesus coming back, it tore their nerves up. Uh, in that same city, this woman's uh, uh, pastor made the statement. He said, when these hellfire and damnation preachers come through, he said, it takes me six months uh, to get my congregation settled out. <laughs> Listen, it used to steal the devil out of me too, buddy. When somebody came through uh, talking about Jesus coming back, it tore my nerves up. I want to tell you, my friends, you think I'm not going to talk about it? Wait a minute, I'm not through reading yet. Did you read that last verse in First Thessalonians uh, chapter 4 and verse uh, um 
18, wherefore comfort one another with these words. You want to strip the gifts of the believer? Talk about Jesus coming back again. You want to thrill the believer? Talk about Jesus coming back. Brother, that was Joe's shouting grounds. What did he say? Wherefore comfort one another with these words. What words? Well, the words that just read to you. Sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. I have experienced death in my home. Brother Blackman here, many of you in this building, has experienced uh, death in your home. Uh, now, I'll tell you, friends, if you're born again, we sorrow not as others, uh, which have no hope. Uh, I'll tell you, according to the flesh, sure, you're broken. How uh, can you grieve in the flesh? Uh, I will tell you, down deep inside, there's the blessed hope that one glorious may break. Uh, yonder in a land that's had a day, on the sunny banks of sweet deliverance. Uh, ah, we born again, child of God, hallelujah, is going to walk out my friends. And I'll tell you, thank God will be like an impatient under the Son of God. What did he say? He said, comfort one another with these words. For he said, the Lord's a coming. He said, he's coming with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God. That stirs me up. Amen. And then he said, this same Jesus. I'm telling you, God is not going to send some angel that's been living in a back alley, eating out of a garbage can, got a rusty halo, a moth-eating robe, and run over shoes. But God is going to send my friends his only begotten son, thank God, for the bride. Yes, he is. And that stirs me up tonight to think about Jesus himself, this same Jesus, the same one that walked the shores of Galilee, the same one born in an icy cow shed, the same one that opened eyes to the blind, the same one that fed the multitudes, the same one that cured the lepers, the same one that spoke peace as he was riding the old ship and the waters was raging in the light was playing across the sky like a snake's forking tongue. He said, Peace! I'll tell you, the waters rained down at his feet, and the winds took their tails and went home. That's fine, Jesus! What Jesus? The one that walked out on the edge of nothing and flung into space everything you see and the things you can't see. The one that made the stars, the moons, the constellations. The same Jesus, my friends, and that made it ever been. Bless God, he's coming back. Amen, amen, amen. He's coming back one of these days. And he said, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Why did you know everything? My friends knows he's coming back except man. You know that? That's right. I said to the Bible, said the whole earth is groaning and longing for its redemption, for its redemption, for Jesus Christ to come back. I said, You got the back of my house in the springtime, especially. As the gentle breezes of spring rocks the top of that old cedar tree, there's a mockingbird sits there all night. And brother, he whistles all night. You know what he's a whistling? He's a coming. 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 Ah, amen to God. I'll take you down to the back of my house. I believe there's a whole covey of whippoorwills. And all night long, whippoorwills. And they, they's one flies up, gets right under my window, right under my window, right outside of my house, right under my window. And oh, that purple wheel hollers. He's a coming. He's a coming. He's a coming. Amen. Bless God. There's an old hoot owl that lives down there in the woods somewhere. And I'll tell you in the wee hours of the morning, you know that old hoot owl hollering. He's a coming. He's a coming. Yes, sir. There's a pond down the back of my house. Every bullfrog down there is a hollering. He's a coming. He's a coming. Ah, cricket in the field. Rubbing his back legs together. Holler. He's a coming. He's a coming. He's a coming. 
I'll tell you, bless God, that old red-headed rooster, about three o'clock down in the chicken yard, begins to crow. Oh, listen, he's a hollering, he's a coming, he's a coming, he's a coming. I raise these mammoth jacks and jennies. About every morning, about four o'clock, old Jack cranks up, and he said, oh, he's a coming, he's a coming, he's a coming, he's a coming. He's in for nails, it's in for hell. These modernists and skeptics and agnostics and all this crap that's so old timely done. They may not believe it, thank God, but I'll tell you, he's coming anyhow. You believe that? He's coming back, buddy. So I'm not ready to go. You better get ready. He's coming. He's a coming. He's a coming. And the Bible said this same Jesus is coming back. I got a call one day when I was passing over East Tennessee. They said, Grandma Bear's dying. I reached to the hospital. I went up on the third floor. I got there and all around the room, out in the hall was, was their children. They some of them up in their late 50s, 60 years old. Grandma's up in her 90s and she's in there dying. They said, Mama's in a coma. We don't expect her to live. I tell you what the truth, I, I, I got inside the room. There's that old woman. They took her teeth off. Her jaws were sunk in. Her eyes was just in a glare and a stare. In her hand was an old nasty handkerchief. It's dirty looking. The kids begin to apologize. They said, we can't get that handkerchief out of Mama's hand. Since she's got such a grip on it, she won't turn loose of it. And said, we don't care if we have a handkerchief. I said, it's dirty. And she borrowed it from somebody. And we can't get out of Mama's hand. And they're apologizing. And they said, Mama is in a coma. Well, now listen. When you go and look in the face of somebody like that, you, you want to speak to them. I mean, even though you know they're in a the coma, it, it just feels back to the snake. And I said, Grandma, how do you feel without stopping the movement of that hand every now and then going across like that, falling on her breast, uh, and then back this way without changing her expression? How a woman said, Preacher, is that you? I said, Yes, it is, Grandma. Oh, the kids heard her. They went to speak it out in the hall. Mama's rational. She's rational. They've got to get in the room. I can see him stand at the foot of the bed and all around, wiping tears. And Mama has got her good senses again. And she said, Son, you hear me singing? Uh, well, I didn't hear anybody singing. I said, No, Grandma, I don't hear anybody singing. Oh, she said, Son, it's the most beautiful music you ever heard. <laughs> and oh, well, I've heard old preachers tell things like that, and I'm going to confess. I thought he's just getting something, something to preach about. Amen. And now here it is happening to me. Do you hear the music? Uh, no, Grandma, I don't hear it. And why didn't I hear it? I went on the same channel she is on. That's the reason why. That's not, she got, got plugged in to that land that's high today. And Grandma was listening, my friends, uh, to that wonderful heavenly music. Oh, uh, She said, son, it's the most beautiful music ever ever heard in all your life. About that time it seemed like that God uh, spoke to my heart and said, son, she's a-waving so long to you and a-waving hello to me. Ma'am, that's more than I could take. I took off out of that hospital room and I put my hand out like that. I got down one flight of steps. I got down two. I don't know whether I'm going to make it or not. I remember pacing that receptionist. I ran through the gray stores. I jerked the stopper out and I shot I'm going to the hospital and help people like that. Instead of helping them, they help me. Yeah. I mean, people on their deathbed help me instead of me helping them. My brother, they just headed out. 
for that ram that's fair than me. <laughs> Lord, y'all pray for me now. This is just something you take off on and you never get through. Amen. Listen, he's coming back. You say, preacher, how do you know? Why, the Bible's full of it. Yes, sir. Listen to this. Jesus, my friends, uh, I just declared in his word, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will come again. And I'll receive you. I'm going to accept that where I am there, you may be also. The angels declared that he's coming back. When Jesus stood down on the Mount of Olives and he's fixing to go home, he was giving his disciples uh, their last marching orders. Uh, he said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, uh, tell it to every creature, tell it on the mountains, uh, preach it in America, preach it in Australia, tell it in England, tell it in Ethiopia, tell it in Africa, tell it, uh, tell it on the mountains, uh, tell it in the valleys, uh, preach it on the waters, preach it on the land. And while the Son of God was giving his disciples their last marching orders, uh, angelic chauffeurs uh, were parking taxi clouds uh, and getting ready for the homecoming of the Son of God. Our every old table and Michael was a shine of the doorknobs of glory leaning over and about that time old Gabriel said to Michael, I believe he's fixed to come home. And Jesus began to rise. And the Bible tells how that friends he reaches out and takes a cloud, wraps around himself like a cloak and went back to the right hand of God the Father. And at that time two messengers from heaven appeared on the scene and they said to those bewithered disciples, uh, why do you stand here amazed like this? Uh, don't you know? <laughs> don't you like that? Don't you know that this same Jesus, uh, the same one you see going in the cloud, uh, is going to come back uh, just like you see him going. Uh, oh, thank God for that. Uh, that same Jesus. Uh, praise God. I to tell you, my friends, uh, not an angel, not some other man. Not even someone wanted glory, but this same Jesus uh, is a coming back. Uh, oh, I want to tell you one thing right now. Listen, those disciples heard those messages in the said, coming back. So the angels know he's coming. The Lord himself said he's coming. Now then, let me give you this. God gave me this some years ago. The Lord's Supper tells me he's coming. That's right. I got saved. I didn't know a thing about the Lord's Supper. I went to my pastor. I said to my pastor, I said, tell me about the Lord's Supper. I said, I don't understand about it. I'm just newly saved, and I just don't, I don't know. Well, he said, son, he said, the fruit of vine tells the blood that was shed for the remission of sins. He said, the, the, the uh, uh, bread tells of the body that was given for the remission of sins. And so when I pastored and I'd have the Lord's Supper, I'd quote a verse of Scripture. As often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, ye do show forth the Lord's death till he comes. I tell you, we was having the Lord's Supper one Sunday, and brother, I got into that thing, and I started that verse. As often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, he do show forth the Lord's death till he comes. And I've never seen that before. I've never seen that before. That jumped out at me. Till he comes! It just jumped out at me. And boy, when that jumped out at me, I'll tell you, God must have unraveled some things in my head that I'd studied before. I remember when the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper. What did he say to those disciples when he instituted the Lord's Supper? He said, I'll not eat with you nor drink with you anymore until I do in my Father's kingdom. Amen! Brother, I'll tell you from that day forth, I saw something. Listen, not only is this the Lord's Supper tell me of the body that was given, of the blood that was shed, but it also tells me that God's not going to leave me stranded uh, upon the shores of time, wandering around in darkness uh, with no hope. Uh, but my body's not important. 
as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you do so forth the Lord's death. Shall it come? I'm a kind of partaker of the Lord's Supper. I'm reminded of the body. I'm reminded of the blood. But I'm also reminded of the second return of God's Son of His first one of these days. He's coming back. Yes, he is. Now, somebody said, Preacher, where? I don't know. <laughs> well, he said, what in the world are you getting so excited about it for? That's just it. I don't know. He could come tonight. I wish he would. I'd like to leave the devil all my bills to pay. Amen. Let's got that bugging favor. Amen. He's coming back. When? I don't know. But Jesus is coming back. Now, there's signs of his return. He gives them. That's right. I know we got preachers. They've written books and come up and pooped and hollered and said there's nothing to the sign. But I'm going to believe what this book said. Amen to God. I don't care what Dr. Goober did or Bottle Stuffer or old Sister Wiggler Jaw or nobody else says, honey. I'm going to believe this book tonight. And he set their signs of his return. Now let's look at this. First of all, we're not the children of the night. We're the children of the day. Amen. I didn't come to town road of pumpkins. I might look like a crackpot, but I'm not that dumb. Amen. I know a rotten apple and I see one. I studied, listen, I've been preaching 31 years. I was under the revival meetings all up and down this country, Brother Gribble here, and Brother Blackburn knows I'm telling the truth tonight. I run meetings all Listen, if you run as many meetings, all I got to do is look a crowd over. I can smell hell 40 miles away just about. Yeah. I mean, let's look at crowd. It don't take me long to dynamite the devil out. Amen. I ain't finding in a hurry. I mean, God just, just raised him on my heart. There's that bird right there. He's one raised all the fuss. There's that over there. Or that mega. I just find him out in a hurry. If he's one around, that's right. You see, if he ain't around here, let me hang around another day or two and I'll let you know, honey. Yeah, it don't take me long to dig something up. Well, why? Because God gave me a desire for such things as that. Now, let's go a little further. Listen to me. Listen to me. We come here to the scriptures. There's time. I know right now when I see one. I know when spring's fixing to come about or when winter time's coming on. You know these things. And God said these things did not happen. The second time of the Lord will not happen without us knowing that the season, not the hour, not the day, but the season is right for His coming. Now, what is it? All right, he said you like it was for the time of Noah at the second return of Christ. What about Noah's day? There's giving, taking, and marriage. There's eating, drinking. There's a, a frolicking and living it up. There's building and have a, well, listen, you only get in the thriving business. Get your restaurant somewhere. They ain't going out of business. I hear a lot of preachers. Now, now who am I, no, who am I, the preacher of the Bible. All right. I've heard preachers run all over the country, all about a great phantom's going to hit this country and everything's going to drop. There's going to be nothing to eat. Well, God said to come to Christ, is going to be eating and drinking. Whom is going to believe? Listen to this. He said, at the coming of Jesus Christ, uh, he said, he like was in the time of Noah, giving and taking in marriage. Well, you say, well, what's wrong with that? Not a thing. If you look at God's way, but God don't want you taking a 40 model and swapping it off at 220. Amen. Is that right? God means for a man to marry a woman, and God means for a woman to marry a man. Is that right? Just see in the newspaper this week where Governor Brown in California put a woman in as a, a judge, and she's a lesbian. That low-down heifer will send people to jail for, work, for, for not being happy as low-down she is. Isn't that something? Say amen right there. 
had some. And so my friends, we look here. The man, listen, he said in the last days there'd be a sign for the, such as this. He said he like was the time of Solomon to bar. Why, God had meant for a man to marry a man. It'd have been Adam and Steve instead of Adam and Eve. Amen. Yes, sir. God never met my friends for such as that to happen. God meant for a man to take a help made a companion of the opposite sex and replenish this earth. Is that what the book says? There's an island up here out of New York City where there's something between four and 5,000 homosexuals to meet on the lower part of that island. I mean, on the island. On the lower part of it, around 2,000 lesbians meet every weekend. Think about that. I never dreamed that I'd ever live in a country where I'd never see a man let his hair grow out like a woman. I never dreamed I'd ever see that. Man, I never dreamed. I never seen no such as that. I never dreamed I'd ever live in a country where the women had put on britches like the men, put on a leather jacket like a man, cut their house like a man, smoke, uh, smoke on cigarettes and spit between their teeth like a man, cuss like a man, raise the devil like a man. I never dreamed I'd ever see no such things as that. Say man. I never dreamed I'd ever see that. I never dreamed and I never see the time when a man would want to put on a dress and put on lace on his garments. Say man. And run around, my friends, uh, with hair halfway down his back. I saw some bird the other day. His old hair all over his head. He kept him going like that. Kept switching his head like that. I thought if you'd go to the barber shop that time and get you a good haircut, he'd get that crick out of your neck. Ah, yes, sir. I don't believe I've ever seen a thing like that. And yet this country has been plagued with it for the last year's time. I never dreamed I'd ever see such as that. What is this? This is signs of a last days. That's what it is. You sound like that kind of preacher. We'll go start your meet somewhere. I'm a running this. Amen. Now, brother, listen. We find we're living in the last days. That goes down to he said, peerless times, days of apostasy, great falling away, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, listen, I don't mean to be a crackpot. Don't you take me wrong tonight. I don't see anything wrong in about having uh, enough recreation and decent recreation. I'll say they were all that. In fact, tell you fellas, it's time to get a dollar every time you turn around. It'd do you good if you'd slow down, take your little family and go somewhere and have an outing on occasions. That's got that number of hamburger fry or hot dog feed. You ought to get off somewhere with your family. I meet some of these preachers. They're so busy they never have time for their family. They got time for everybody else's family, but no time for their all. For their all. You know what you preachers ought to do? You ought to have your day in a week or sometime or, or a month or something where you can slip off somewhere. Take that little family and get away with your own family. Well, that's because you ought to do the same thing. I don't see anything wrong with the right kind of recreation, something that's clean. But I'll tell you something. It's wrong, my friend, when this crowd across this country lays in, in uh, swimming pools and mud holes uh, and lays at the ball fields all the time, never have any time for jobs, never on their job with their time, their talents, their time, their uh, loyalty. It's wrong. And God said in the life days, uh, there's going to be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's exactly where we are. Hey, come here and ask you a question. Have you ever read the Bible where it said it'd be like it was in the time of Noah, like it was in the time of Sodom? You read that? Well, let me ask you a question. How many small children was on that ark? How many small children got out of Sodom? If I remember correctly, it was only Noah, his wife, three sons, and their wives. If I remember correctly, only Lot, his wife, and two daughters fled the city. Is that right? Where was the babies? 
or it's a small children. He said, be like it was the time of Noah, like it was the time of Lot, Sodom, or what's he talking about? Here's what he's talking about. I mentioned one service, I think, since I've been here this week. I mentioned it again. In Atlanta, Georgia, you're passing through, pick up the newspaper. Half of the one-edge section, half of it, one half of it from the top to the bottom, one half of the one-edge section has captions like this. Tired of being pregnant? Want to get rid of a pregnancy? And they've got, uh, I don't know how many, hundreds, I guess, of clinics where little babies could be killed. Such a, now listen, every 2,000 years of the Bible, a great event takes place, and the first thing to start doing when that great event begins to take place is kill little babies. Where was the little babies in Noah's day? Where were the little babies when Lot fled the city? And Jesus said it'd be like it was at the coming of the, of the Lord Jesus. It'd be like it was in the time of Noah and like it was in the time of Sodom. I want to tell you one thing right now. I believe this with all of my heart. We're living in the closed mind of this age. Now these people don't even want a baby. Do you know that? If we wouldn't have a child, you couldn't give them a child. That's why we build all these complex uh, places and, and uh, uh, these, uh, uh, my, my dear old mother, and I don't say this to belittle my mother, but you know, all of us get words mixed up. Mama said, I'm just going to buy me one of them comedians. She meant one of them condominiums, but she said, I'm going to get me one of them comedians. Well, uh, that's the reason they're building them things all over this country. They people want to mow the grass. They don't do anything except just go in and out. That's all they want. No responsibility whatsoever. Have you ever read the Word of God, what it says about a city anyhow? Have you ever read that? God said, woe to them that live house to house. That's in the Bible. Why? I'll tell you, my friends, these are uh, places God knows are uh, uh, rotten to the core. I'll, I'll tell you, apartment houses all across this country. It's a uh, of some type of incubators. That's all in the world they are. And people are raising the devil, living like the devil. Well, here's what I'm saying. That devil takes these things up that way. He certainly has. He said in the last days, it'd be like it was in the time of Noah, like it was in the time of Sodom. Now, let's go a little further. He said in the last days, there'd be increase of knowledge. You ever seen a time men know as much as they know today? They say from 1950 to 1960 that men learned more than you've ever known from the time of, of Adam until 1950. He learned more than 10 years than the rest of the world ever learned. Now, there's, no, there's not enough room for buildings. There's not enough room for books. Not enough printing presses to print all the knowledge they've learned. So what do they do? They invent a thing called a computer. All that valuable information has been fed in these computers. That's the reason it's able to go to the moon. Because of the valuable information that's been accumulated and placed in those computers. Now, listen to this. We find we're ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. Is that right? Ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. He said increase of knowledge. Henry Ford made the statement when he made his first automobile. It would go the high speed of 15 miles an hour. An Englishman wrote the President of the United States and said, you Americans are the biggest liars I ever heard. He said, who ever heard of going the high speed of 15 miles an hour? My brother Bobby Levin, I got happy and went on one leg backwards faster than that. Amen. Yeah. You think about it. Why did you know to get into outer space? They had to break through the, uh, in, in, in outer space going the speed of 25,000 miles an hour. And one of those fellows got out of the capsule doing 17,500 miles an hour. Can you, can you believe that? Well, I can stick my arm out the window doing 75, and that guy got out doing the 17,500. 
I made that statement one night. I didn't understand all about it. The fellow came up. He wanted to straighten me out. And I said, before you start, explain this one. Have you ever figured out how that a red cow can eat green grass, give white milk and yellow butter, and a colored fellow can drink it and still be black? Amen. Figure that now. And when you get that figured out, start on the rest of it. Bless God. Now, here's what I'm saying tonight. I will tell you one thing right now, my friends. Increase of knowledge. In every direction you go, there's increase of knowledge. Preachers know more tonight about the Bible, the Word of God, than they've ever known. Why? God's opened it up. God's revealed it. Things that old-time preachers couldn't understand, God's opened up some things in these last days. Increase of knowledge. In the scientific field, every direction you go, there's increase of knowledge. The medical field. When I was a boy, you got uh, tuberculosis. They ordered you coffin just about. Diphtheria. Who's heard of a case of diphtheria? Nah, back down the years ago. Or polio. That's one of the most dreaded diseases in America. And now then you don't even hear of polio anymore. Chicken pox and smallpox and all kinds of diseases. Uh, well, we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot. Yes, we have. I'll tell you, my friends, there's an increase of knowledge. I remember when I was a boy, if you got to think you had it uh, seven years. Amen. I came in from school one day, and I was, a, I was a scratching my head, and my mother uh, called me over, and she said, get out on your knees. I got, oh, my soul, she said, you've got lies. Yeah, I'm the reason some of you lies, you had them too, didn't you? Now, you don't see it today, but used to an eyesable boy, everybody had a fine-tooth comb. You remember? You could ride down the road, you'd see people on the front porch, and they'd have a paper or a sheet, and he'd be combing his head. And all the time he was eyeballing that paper or that sheet to see if he saw something move the least bit. You remember that song about, Come home, Bill Bailey, come home? And he said, All I've got is a fine-tooth comb. You remember that? Well, listen, everybody used to have a fine-tooth comb. Why? Because everybody used to get lost just about. Now, my mom said, you've got lice. She got out that old homemade lice soap. She got a pan of kerosene. We call it colon. And she scrubbed my head. That's what's wrong with my head now. <laughs> what happened to yours? Ah! Same thing. <laughs> my old like scrubbed his body. Oh, Lord. Let me ask, listen, you, you, you're a good intelligent group of people. Let me ask you something. Whatever happened to bed bugs? Well, it wasn't no joke of wisdom coming up. I mean, just it wasn't just poor folks had bed bugs. Everybody could get them. I've seen them take those old bedsteads down, take those uh, uh, mattresses and pillows out and sun them all day, and they'd take gasoline take them bedsteads down, go in every crack, everywhere they could go, and, and, and scrub them things down. You say, I wouldn't have done that. Oh, yes, you would. About the first cold night, you got in that good snug down. There's God, they'd have a convention right in the middle of that. Down and all I know, you got a Yes, you would. <laughs> I mean, brother, them things will get you. Sheeps, we call them. Uh, how many of you know about them? Huh? Well, listen. Increase the knowledge. They got DDP and DD3 and 
There's nothing else that's there in time. Increase of knowledge. Then let me, let me hasten along. In the last days, he said, disobedience to parents. You'll see young ones like out this day and time. Susie, dry the dishes. No. Johnny, would you mow the grass? I ain't gonna do it. You don't have mama on for a mall. She'd called your name, bless God, and told you to joke. You'd said, how far? If mama called your name, you'd said, what? She'd hung your jaw. She thought the Liberty Bell cracked a second time. Amen. Mama all the time, she'd take you to the woodshed, and there'd be bloodshed. And it didn't make no difference to her which end is up. Because when Mama told you to get on your way, you better be on your way. It didn't make no difference. She had a poker, a boom handle, or a stick of stonewood in her hand. You better be on your way when Mom said no. And I'm glad to God for that. I was mean enough as it was. If I had that kind of training, and somebody to make me do something, they'll tell what I'd have turned out to be. But I'll tell you one thing right now, listen, increase the knowledge. Little boy come out of the grocery store and they had one of these mechanical horses. She put a dime in, or it used to be that, I guess a dollar and a half now. He wanted to ride that mechanical horse. His mama stood there and he said, I want to ride. She said, look, your dad's be home in a few minutes, I've got to fix something. I'm in there, I want to ride. I want to ride, I want to ride, I want to ride. And he started. She put a dime in, he wrote a dime's worth and it quit. And he said, I want to ride again. She put another dime in, and that stopped, and he said, All right again. Well, if you have a you want, you're a daughter. About that time, she was in tears. Clerk in the store came out, and he said, Lady, what's your trouble? So I said, Get my kid to come on. He pulled that little fellow over, whispered in his ear. He jumped off that horse and grabbed his mama's hand. He got the car. Going down the road, her curiosity was a killer. She turned around and said, What did he say to you? <laughs> An old boy looked at the city, he said he's going to beat the devil out of me if I get off that horse. I'd get one in high gear. Hey, do you think I'd run up and down this country, week after week, away from my family and home, and every time I've got to have some little shaver tell me where to head in? Huh? You think I'm a dumb? Huh? Well, I'll tell you how to break one. Just march out in the backyard next time he starts on that junk. Cut you a good two-handed persimmon brush. Amen to God. I'll tell you, you make a move stand up for one of them. Amen. And the next day you'll be hollering, Oh, no, 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 no. Won't he do it? I don't know who ever told a young man to say that, but every one of them say it. I'll mind, I'll mind, I'll mind. Now, get him in high gear. Now he's talking about my friends from the last days. These things are going to happen. Now let me hasten the law. I turn back to first first laws. I'm going to give you this from through now. Listen to it closely. I want to hurry as quickly as I can. You ain't no hotter than I am. I'm sweating like a, well, you know, the election. But anyhow, um, <laughs> who was in the election? If you got to figure out that, you got me. All right. We turn to the Song of Solomon. And here, my friends, from the Song of Solomon is a little old girl. And she makes a statement about how that her, her brothers and sisters didn't like her. And they made her labor in the field, taking care of the sheep and working with the vineyard. And she said, consequently, my own vineyard I wasn't able to take care of. And she also tells about being black 
And I don't believe she's of the Negro race. I believe she was black because she worked for the sheep from the field and took care of the vineyard and so on and so forth. I believe that. And she says, my own vineyard wasn't able to take care of what she's talking about. Well, any girl ought to want to look nice. Now, just because you paint your face up, I know that, that, that's not it. But any girl ought to want to be clean, decent. And uh, this girl said, why, I was wrong to dress like my sisters, but I couldn't do it. They said about me, made me work for the sheep and take care of the vineyard. But one day this little old shepherd boy comes along and he woos this girl's heart. They fall in love. You know when you fell in love? <laughs> I lost my appetite. I got it back, but I lost it one time. <laughs> I stationed at Camp Pokeroo's Hannah. I'd go to mail call every day to get that letter. And boy, it'd start off like this. Dearest Billy. Boy, I can feel my toenails rolling up. My hide got kinky. I got my office fixed. And I, my canteen would hold six small Coca-Colas. I'd go fill that canteen. I'd go to my bed and I'd open that letter. And I, I'd just about memorize it. Dearest Billy. Oh, Lord. Mama called me Billy. Daddy called me Billy. Grandma's and grandpa's and good said like she said it. Dearest Billy. Ah! Boy, I tell you what's the truth. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to get home. I remember when I got that first furlough. I got out of that car in front of that rock house on Main Street in Sevierville, Tennessee. And as I stepped out, it was just almost dark. The sun had gone down. It was almost dark. But I was in that door flew on that house. The screen went back against the wall. A young girl, 20 years old, came across the porch, jumped four steps, hit the sidewalk of doing 90, and I met her doing 110. Amen. I was in love. Oh, I'd go see her. My heart in town. I tell you, we'd, we'd say lovey-dovey things to each other. Didn't nobody else know what we were talking about? You said that didn't happen to me. Three year old made the bachelor too. Bless God. Hey! That I said, love! I was reminded that old boy stayed too late one night and they were sitting on the couch. Everybody them gone to bed. They was, they was sitting on the couch and saying lovey-dovey things. He said to her, you're my little poodle. <laughs> She said, you're my little dove. He said, you're my little apple blossom. And she said, you're my little porky. About that time, a door opened at the top of the steps. <laughs> An old man stuck his head out and he said, hey, little porky. He said, you better get your little hands down the road. <laughs> crowd runs around trusting and fighting when they get 90 years old. I can't understand that. Then I'll tell you, I love my wife today more than I've ever loved my wife. I mean, she loves me better than she's ever loved. I know it's more of me. And man, she married me. I was a little skinny fella. I weighed for 200 pounds. But boy, listen, I tell you, listen, I, I was in love. I was in love. Now, they, this, this one girl falls in love. You know what he said to her? I've got to go away. But he said, I'll be back. 
I've got some things to take care of, some business, but I'll be back. And with that, he leaves. One day, maybe a few weeks later, her sisters and brother said to her, How's your sweetheart? Because he said he had to go well some business and all. Maybe a few more days or weeks passes by, and they said, Where's your sweetheart? Well, she said, I told you before, he's gone. He had some things. They said, That guy handed you a bill of goods. You'll never see him no more. Man. She, they said, How do you know? How do you know he'll be back? She said, Because of his word. You getting this? How do you know? So I could tell by the pathos in his voice, the look in his eyes, and by his word, you'll come back. They scorn her and they laugh. But then go a little further with the story it's told here in the Song of Solomon. I'll not read it. But she said, One night I woke up all of a sudden. I thought I heard him call my name. I looked at the window. I thought I saw him peeking in. I jumped up. I ran to the window. And I thought I saw him behind the lattice on the outside. No, it wasn't him. I just dreamed all of that. But oh, I wanted to see him so bad. I wanted to see him so bad. And she said, I couldn't sleep no more that night. So I got up and I began to walk the street and I found the watchman of the night. And I said, watchman of the night, have you seen my beloved? And he said, why, no, I haven't seen him. And then she encounters the daughters of Jerusalem, chapter 5. Turn with me, chapter 5, and let's read this. Chapter 5, and she engages the daughters of Jerusalem. And they said to her, what is the difference in your beloved and anybody else's beloved? Now they ask her that question. And so she cranks up, brother, and she starts in verse 10, and she said, My beloved is quite ruddy, the cheapest among 10,000. His head is as the most fine gold, his locks of bush and black as a raven, his eyes as the eyes of doves of the river waters, washed with milk and fitly set, his cheeks as bed of spices, as sweet flowers, his lips like the lilies, dropping sweet smell and myrrh, his hands as gold rings set with a pearl, his belly as bright ivory overlaid with sapphires, his legs as pillars of marble set upon the sockets of fine gold, his countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars, his mouth is most sweet, yea, he's altogether lovely, this is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Boy, she didn't have to apologize for him. She didn't have to say, what's this job of to anybody else? Well, I'll tell you, he drinks a little, but we're going to get married. He's going to quit. Huh? Oh, he, 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 he stays out a lot at night time playing cards with the boys. But when we get married, he's going to quit. Oh, uh, honey, she didn't have to apologize. You know, she said in the very offset, he's the finest among 10,000. Hey. I read the other day where there's only been old, about ten people that ever left their footprints in the sands of time as far as this world's concerned anyhow. And most of them's been religious leaders. Moses is one of them. Jesus Christ was another. That leaves only eight more, and I didn't even get their names. But there's only been about ten people that ever lived on the face of this earth that ever, listen, they've been men that was monarchs, They've been queens and kings that's dead and gone, forgot about history. Don't even remember some of them, brother. I mean, monarchs heading some country up, and they're dead and gone. Now, I want to tell you one thing you know what this girl said. 
She said, you get the best 10,000 you can find. <laughs> and he's the cheapest among 10,000. Now, let's taste it. Boy, the next thing, listen to me. That little girl's working on the sheep one day, taking care of the sheep, working in the vineyard. All of a sudden, there comes the rumbling of a chariot, stops in front of the home, and a man of war, he gets out and inquires for this little girl working on the sheep and taking care of the vineyard. And they said, why, she's out there now. But he said, I want to see her. Mama said, would you like to speak to this daughter? Here's a well-dressed woman, beautiful woman. No, no, I want the girl that takes care of the sheep and works for the vineyard. And he prevails upon them to get her. And so they send for her, and here she comes. And when they inform her that a man of loyalty is there, she hides her face. She's ashamed. She's been working on the sheep, taking care of the vineyard. And she's already said, my own vineyard, I wasn't able to take care of. She comes into the presence of that man of loyalty. She hides her head in her face. And as she comes up, all of a sudden, he calls her name. And when he did so, I could see that little girl drop that veil. She recognized that voice. And instead of a little shepherd boy, thank God, here's the king of the land. And he said, I've come for you. Oh, Lord, darling, I, I must tell you this, now, and I promise you, bear with me just five more minutes to work with. Yonder in the state of Texas a few years ago, and I'll talk fast now, so I'll get this story to you. A little red-headed, freckle-faced boy couldn't get a date with any of the girls. He decided he just had to stay home with Mama and take care of Mama. I'm telling you a true story now. That boy, my friends, uh, was up 40 years old. One night, about 8 o'clock, there came a knock at the door. He went to the door, and here's well-dressed men. They represent one of America's leading oil companies. And they said, we found oil in this area, and we want to buy the oil rights. They offered them a tremendous amount of money, and the man agreed to it. But he wasn't as dumb as, the, as, as people would think. That old boy spent the rest of the night going around buying up his neighbor's oil rights. And he became a multi-millionaire overnight. And at last, the president of one of America's leading oil companies. And one day he called his men in, and he said, Listen, since I've become wealthy, every gal in the country wants to marry me now. And he said, I've got to do something. And he said, I'm going away. And he told him his plan and all. And he said, I'm not going to be disturbed except for death or extreme illness. And he left the state of Texas. And you know where he came, Brother Bobby? To Aiken, South Carolina. He, he, he was... He got him a job in the cotton mill, sweeping the floor, old brogan shoes, a pair of overhauls, the blue work shirt. And while in that place, Brother Billy, one day he saw a little simple South Carolina girl down there working, and she is from a Lent Hill. <laughs> yes, sir, worked in the mill village all of her life ever since she'd been at a job. He saw that girl, they got to talking, they fell in love, and finally they decided they'd marry. And he told us, and now, you meet me tomorrow at a certain place, and we'll get the justice and the peace to Maris. And so they made it up. But the next day, about 10 o'clock, there came a knock on the door. That girl was at the door. Here's a Western Union man with a message and with a, uh, with a box. And she read that message, and it said, put the garment on and meet me at a certain church. She opened that. She'd never seen such a beautiful wedding dress in all of her life. She done what he said, but she couldn't enjoy getting married, wondering how in the world he's going to pay for it. Well, she said, you've lost your mind. We'll never pay for it. He said, don't worry about it. Well, they got married. Then they didn't have enough money to go on the honeymoon. 
That's where they went to saving. They bought them a little old table to eat off of, had two nail kegs, they'd eat ten toe beans and cornbread and fat back about three times a day, trying to save up, get a little money going to honeymoon, and finally they had what they thought was enough. And he said, meet Mr. Train tomorrow, get everything ready now. I want you to meet Dr. Train. She got down there, instead of having a seat on the train, he had a whole car rented. And she started again. She said, you've done this and we got married. You bought that bed and best we like to never got that thing paid for. And now here you are. You've done gone out and got this whole car. Said, we'll never get it paid for. He said, just enjoy yourself. They started towards the state of Texas, across Louisiana. They began to see things she'd never seen before. There was a rice bird. Yonder was uh, jackrabbits, armadillas. And she began to see things that she'd never seen back this part of the country. And when that train stopped yonder in Fort Worth, Texas, there's limousines, chauffeurs. Lord, that woman liked the wet wild for sure. She almost went in shock. He said, just don't worry, just everything will be all right. They started out through the main section of the city, beautiful homes. Then after a while into the country, mansions on the hilltops. And after a while, a white fence started on both sides of the road. And it looked like it went for miles. And that they oh, what a mansion. Yonder nestled on the hill, among the mesquites, was the most beautiful mansion she'd ever laid eyes on. Oh, it was so bad, thinking she said, look, he said up the driveway. Ah, why, she said, look here, I'm just a simple South Carolina girl. I've never been in where I've never seen it in faith, I've never had it in faith. I think he said, just be this, everything will be all right. Up the driveway, there's butlers, there's maids, they escorted them through that home. She saw finally like she'd never seen all in her life. Oh, beautiful furniture. You ever been to that Biltmore State up in Asheville? How many of you have been there? Well, the rest of you ought to go. As you'll see how rich man lives. Amen. I was going to do that thing. And the guy of the party said, that chair goes back to Louis the Fourteenth. <laughs> well, I said, that ain't nothing. I got a bedroom suit that goes back to Sears on the 20th. But anyhow, I'm going to tell you what's good. I said, look, of course, I'm just joking. But anyhow, listen, you talk about wealth. You talk about kindness. They went through that beautiful mansion. And then he took her into the parlor. And they sat down on one of the most expensive pieces of furniture that she'd ever sat on. And he took that woman, his wife, by the hand. And he told her the story. He said, overnight, I became a multimillionaire. Every old gal in the country wanted to marry me then, but I knew it's my wealth. But he said, I came to South Carolina into that cotton mill, and I was just the poor man, as far as you knew, in my overalls, my old blue work shirt, my old grease brogan shoes, and said, you love me, just like I was, and said, now then, the mansion's yours, the wealth is yours, the automobiles are yours, it's yours, and oh, when I heard that story, I thought of that little girl in the Song of Solomon, listen, Brother, when Jesus came like the shepherd, they some of us fell in love with him, just like he was. Oh, he could have come with 10,000 angels. He could have been born a thunder in the palace. Yes, he could, but not so. In a dirty, stinking, nasty, filthy cowshed was born God's darling baby boy. Now, I want to tell you, my friends, listen to me. Oh, listen, some of us fell in love with him, just like he was. Never since then, I've been a feeling about it. Yes, Lord, I've been, I've been telling her. And the world said to me, what's the difference in your beloved and anybody else's? Boy, when they ask me that, I crank up. Amen. That's not like it. Hey, he's the rose, the shine, the bright, the morning star. The living body. He's the rock that you 
job. I'm about to come out hand side God. I get excited. You know, sometimes I wake up in the darkness of the night. I thought I heard him call my name. I thought I saw him peeking through the window. I thought I saw him outside. Behind the lattice, no, it wasn't him. I just got so homesick. I thought it was. But I want to tell you one of these mornings. <laughs> Is going to come to run with the chat. Thank God. You know who's coming for? Those that's been working on the sheet and taking care of the vineyard. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you, my people, we're going to load up. We're going to hear his voice. And we're going to that land. And all of it's going to be ours. Streets of gold. Walls of jasper. Gates of pearl. Heaven. Eternity. Forever and forever and forever. Let's bow our heads in prayer.